The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Brent Peller is a stand-up comedian whose comedy sketches, celebrity impressions and parody music videos have gained more than 50 million views online and have been featured on MTV, Funny or Die, Bro Bible, World Star Hip Hop and more. He's a graduate of both the UCB and Groundlings Improv Sketch programs in LA. Brent is best known for his impressions of Eminem, The Rock and Young Jamie from the Joe Rogan podcast, in addition to viral comedy shorts, How the Grinch Took Mushrooms, and Why You Shouldn't Fly Spirit Airlines, which gained 3 million views in the first day of release and took the number one trending spot on both Reddit and YouTube the same day. Brent's live show is a mixture of stand-up and original characters in a high-energy format that's inspired by experiences of growing up with a single mother, the audacity of adulthood, and attempts at becoming a conscious bro. Brent currently lives in Los Angeles and headlines comedy clubs and colleges around the US while continuing to produce his own content for release on Instagram at Brent Peller and at YouTube.com Brent Peller, as well as his weekly podcast, The Brent Peller Show. To find out more about Brent, please visit his website, brentpeller.com. B-R-E-N-T-P-E-L-L-A.com. Brent, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? Bro, I'm feeling good. Thanks so much for having me, man. Mate, this is going to be a fun conversation because I feel like we need humor more so now than ever. And desperately. I, mm-hmm. Desperately. Talk to me about this. What is humor for you? I mean, it's medicine. 
at a fundamental level, I think laughing and comedy provides a medicine, even scientifically, because it releases endorphins and dopamine and serotonin, and it makes you happier and feel better. And you can never have too much of it. You know, it's a medicine I think the world needs now, probably more than ever, you know? So talk to me about your background and childhood and what was it that did you have people out there that inspired you? Were there certain comedians? And when was the journey for you into comedy? Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, well, growing up, my mom like raised me on Saturday Night Live, you know, so Chris Farley and, and Jim Carrey movies when I was a kid. But I never thought of doing comedy as like a career. I just thought it was like a fun thing that a couple people got to do when they're adults and they can still, you know, make fart jokes and somehow make a living out of it. I had no idea that one day my fart jokes could pay my rent. It didn't even occur to me, you know? And then when I got to college, I started making like comedy videos and, and short, silly videos with friends. And then I moved to Los Angeles after college and I looked around and everybody around me was like light years ahead of me as far as writing and performing. And I was so blown away and and kind of motivated to get to whatever level I saw other people on, which is probably like a competitive drive because I played sports my whole life. So I started taking it just a little bit more seriously. And it's been a fun ride, dude. It's, you know, I do stand up, I do videos. And over the years, it kind of has progressed in ways that I never would have been able to predict. I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from the past like seven or eight years is I could have predicted seven years ago where I would be and I would be so wrong. And I love that because I love where I'm at now and I love being surrounded by funny people and, and being able to bring funny, silly things into other people's lives, you know? What I find fascinating about this is you use the word that you had to get serious about comedy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was lucky enough to see Robin Williams live on stage when he could travel through Australia. And Awesome. Sitting in the audience watching a man like that do what he does, you know, at the top of his game. And he was at the top of his game. I think he did an over three hour performance. Like nonstop too, right? Nonstop. And yeah. what I've come to realize over the years is that comedians are some of the most intelligent people in the world. And they have a way of looking at their environment and the planet and human behavior in a way that I deeply respect. And it takes great skill and great perception to be able to bring something that is such a delicate topic or a taboo topic into mainstream awareness to give a different perception of it. And I want to understand how you, number one, view the world and how do you, what's your intention when you have a topic that you want to explore or express? Yeah, you know, that's actually evolved over the past few years. And I expect it'll evolve until the day I die, you know, just as we evolve as people, our perspectives on the world continue to evolve. And so for me as a comedian, I always knew I just wanted to like make fun of stuff, but I never had like a, a vision or a path of what that would be. And honestly, a huge turning point was this whole pandemic, man. And I think it shifted a lot of people's views on a lot of things. And for me as a writer and performer, I started noticing these ironies and these hypocritical like ideologies that people held. 
and these absurd thoughts that people would call out, but then they wouldn't address their own absurdities. So the stuff that I've been doing for the past like four or five months, I think has evolved to the point where now my perspective on the world is seen through a comedic lens in the sense that nobody's off limits. You know, nothing is off limits. Everything is ridiculous right now. There can be a joke made about anybody. It doesn't matter if it's this news station, that political figure, this, you know, movement, that movement, this belief, that belief. And I think that's important because if we're not calling out the absurdities of the world, then we're just living in an absurd world. You know, we're living in a world that doesn't make sense. And I think it's really important for a lot of comedians. You know, my buddy JP Sears does the same thing. We've worked on a lot of videos together where we're calling out a lot of the stupid shit that a lot of people aren't calling out. And I think that's at comedy's the heart of comedy, from my perspective, at the heart is the ability for a comedian to break something down that other people might hold sacred so that we all have a better understanding of our own, you know, livelihoods and how like not we shouldn't be holding anything sacred. Does that make sense? That's kind of like a little rant, but it's something I'm still evolving with. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And I think it's important for comedians in general to have the ability to call things out that they think is absurd and that they think is silly so that people don't take things as seriously, you know? And at the same time, you're talking about the most serious things in the world right. currently. And I'll never forget watching Bill Burr recently. I think it was last year he released Paper Tiger. And yeah. I think it was one of the best stand-up routines I've ever witnessed. And the reason for that and what you do, and as you mentioned, JPC does, is you aim for the heart. You use the brain, but you're actually aiming for the heart to get to people, to open people up by nearly triggering them and also being a mirror, so to speak, to the absurdity and to, I mean, I'll give you an example recently or over the last year is a topic that was so off limits eight months ago, nine months ago, 10 months ago and beyond was vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Only a few comedians poked fun at it, but they always did it on the side of nearly even what was politically correct. Yeah. And now it feels like the whole world now has an opinion about vaccines. And we're seeing that shift, I think, with comedic values and how they're approaching this topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm going back to the Bill Burr because the reason that I wanted to bring that up is he had a heckler in that audience, whether it was planted or not. But basically, it stopped him in his tracks to say, I'm speaking basically to a collection of people and whatever comes out of my mouth, you will interpret off your beliefs that were set up in childhood. Right. So each and every person will hear my words very differently from what I intended. And how do you find that, that you have to create your work with the full understanding that your intention or your message will be digested and regurgitated through that person's belief systems? Yeah, in so many different ways. So many different ways. Yeah. Well, I think the easiest way to access somebody's brain and heart is through comedy. It's so much easier to me personally to pass along a message in a funny way 
and get somebody to go, oh, I never thought of it like that, right? It's easier to do that than it is to write a dissertation or to have a very frigid debate or a calculated debate. So I think that's where stuff like vaccines or other topics that have been taboo in the past that are now maybe being called out by some comedians, I think people are connecting with that much more than if they were to watch like a 30-minute video on YouTube of some doctor like breaking stuff down or arguing his opinions against other people's opinions. And so I think there's an, it's like an easier pathway to get past somebody's way of digesting things that's maybe been in them since birth. I think it's easier to get through that blockage through comedy. If you're trying to provide a message through your comedy. And some of my stuff does, I do try to send a message, but a lot of it is just silly and to make people laugh, right? But I find, and same with JP and, and other people that I follow and like and work with, these people who are like expressing messages through their comedy are creating a connection to more people than the people who are expressing messages through the news or through you know, news articles and traditional media, I honestly feel like comedians have an easier access to people's minds and like neural pathways than Chris Cuomo and Tucker Carlson. It's just, it's a different thing when you can make somebody laugh and use that laughter to identify something. I think that's a, a much stronger way of connecting with someone and breaking past those defenses that you mentioned. What do you learn about yourself through this process as well of writing this material and then performing to bring these topics to light? What's the process for you and, and what have you learned about yourself? It's, I've learned more, especially in the past four months, but over the course of my career of taking comedy seriously, right, which has been maybe like seven, eight years, I've like connected with myself in a way that I never thought, I had never even thought of before. I feel way more conscious because when you, you're trying to highlight so many silly things about the world, you end up learning. You have to learn about the world. You learn how people act. You learn how people interact with each other because you're making fun of that. Whether it's something silly like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship and how you can never choose you know, where to fucking... Sorry if I'm cussing, but where to go for dinner. You know what I mean? Like Relationships are ended because boyfriends and girlfriends don't know whether they want to get Mexican food or Chinese food, right? And then there's a fight and it's ridiculous. And so there's silly things like that, that help you learn about the world through comedy. But then there's also, I can learn about what the fuck everyone's talking about with conservatives and liberals and who's right and who's wrong and how they're all, we're all just dumb. We're all stupid because we're fighting so much and they're stupid people fight, right? And so I've had the opportunity through poking fun at all these different facets of life, especially my own life and my own experiences of growing up and getting older and transitioning into adulthood, which is still a challenge. But I've had like the ability to see things from different perspectives and learn about people's ways of believing in ideologies and, and their different belief systems because it's all ammo. At the end of the day, you know, I'm just I'm loaded up. To make, I'm trying to load up so that I can make anything funny. That's I think everything is fair game. And this whole process of writing and performing and opening myself up to the world has also, in a way, opened the world up to me 
So as I write and make fun of things, I'm also learning about them at the same time, which has been really cool. It's, you know, it's making me a much more open person and open-minded too. Yeah, I've been watching some of the stuff that you've been doing recently and also the stuff that you do with JP as well. And I love that interaction. You take a subject matter and you show the absurdity of it. And it's, and I want to ask you about censorship as well and freedom of speech because are you concerned about this? And do you think that, yeah, tell me about over the last six or eight months since you've been really honing in on this coronavirus, what has been your perception of this censorship and freedom of speech? It's really scary. You know, there are a lot of different facets to it, right? So I did a podcast, my own podcast. Uh, I had JP Sears on as a guest and Facebook wouldn't allow me to upload it. And I went back and forth with them for a month and they say they can't figure out the issue even though it meets all the criteria of a video that is allowed to be uploaded to Facebook. So I feel like they have a shadow ban on like his name or something, or they saw it and they won't let it be uploaded. That was my first experience with censorship online. And when you talk about censorship on a platform like YouTube or Facebook, the argument could be made that those are companies and they dictate what is allowed to be said on their platform. So it's not a matter of free speech. It's actually a matter of what they allow on their platform, whether or not you think that's right. I don't think that's right. I think you should be allowed to say anything on any platform, even if I don't agree with it, as long as it's not threatening violence or harm or instilling or like, you know, yeah, as long as it's not threatening violence or harm. Same rules as free speech would be. You can't go into a crowded mall and yell bomb. You'll get arrested, right? So I don't agree with the censorship that's happening on social media. What I really don't agree with is the censorship that's happening in the real world. How some people aren't being allowed to speak. How if somebody... I've heard the argument too that if somebody has a different opinion on a subject matter and is going to speak at a college campus, a group will protest that, pull fire alarms, break windows, and make sure that that person can't speak. And they say that it's because that person's ideas could potentially incite violence. Not that they do, it's that they could potentially... Some examples of this, I think, were like Milo. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Not a guy that I agree with, but I also don't think that someone like that should be rioted against just in the name of free speech, you know? And we're seeing that a lot more where people are not being allowed to express opinions, especially during this whole pandemic on alternative medicines, different science research on like masks and different scientific research on what should be done according to some scientists that might be going against the WHO or the CDC and how those results and those scientific studies are like down in the Google search results and they're buried online and you can't really find stuff like that. And I've looked, it's hard to find those things and it's not because they don't exist, it's because they're buried. And I think that's a form of censorship and it sucks because that creates distrust even more distrust. And it's a scary thing. I don't know if it'll get better before it gets worse, to be honest. So let's have a look at uh, how many people have viewed your stuff over the years. Have you ever worked it out online? Yeah. 
Thank you so much. I needed this ego boost today. <laughs> this is going to feel very good. I, <laughs> I think it's, it's sitting somewhere around 100 million total between different pages, sharing videos and, and my YouTube channel, Facebook pages and things like that. Altogether, right around 100 million views in total. So in saying that, so when you write your material now, do you still have a, an element of apprehension or do you have discernment when you may be crossing the line to... Yeah, dude, you know I do. And it's funny because I never did before until this pandemic happened and I started getting a little bit more topical and I started thinking like, ooh, is this going you know, to make my mom mad? You know what I mean? Like, ooh, am I like... I feel like dirty. I feel like, ooh, I'm dangerous. I'm talking about masks. I'm being dangerous. <laughs> and it's like, for example, when I did this video called People Who Wear Masks versus People Who Don't Wear Masks, right? And both characters were like really exaggerated, dishing insults back and forth. And I was like a little bit nervous putting that out because at the time it was like the, it seemed to be, at least according to mainstream media, if you're not wearing a mask, you're a racist and you hate people, and you don't care about people's safety. And so I was like, ooh, am I going to like make people scared because I'm playing a guy who doesn't wear a mask in this video? And of course, it came out, and I didn't get any blowback for that. But I do, every once in a while, feel like, ooh, is this, am I towing the line here? But man, I think it's important to tow that line. Put a fat foot on that line. Do a push-up on that line. I'm trying to do push-ups on that line now. Because I think that's what we need or else we're all just going to get sucked into this comfortable echo chamber of like comedy that only makes fun of one aspect of life. And we all agree with this one thing. We're all just like comfortable. And to me, just my personal opinion, I don't ever want to be like comfortable and stagnant in what I make. So I want to always be trying to find the line. And maybe once in a while, I'll cross the line. And that's, I think, a good learning curve. I don't think I have yet, but maybe I have. Maybe I won't know for like five years until someone tries to cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. I mean, I shared a post earlier this morning. We have in New Zealand, which is our neighbor across the ditch, the prime minister there. Yeah, they've put their country into, especially Auckland, which is the capital city, into lockdown. Got to wear masks, got to social distance, got to shut your business. and they're pretty intense laws that they've got over there and everybody loves the prime minister. And I shared a photo of her last week taking a selfie with 20 people all gathered around her to be in the selfie. Yeah. And you honestly, you really don't actually believe in the laws and the directives that you're putting into place. Otherwise you wouldn't have a smile on your face with all of these people right next to you. Right. You know, right. You're right. actually, you're just showing a hypocritical nature. Yeah. And I can't wait for somebody to make a comedy sketch about that as well, you know? Like I yeah. posted it, I like to throw the question out there, but it's not usually in a comedic way. You know, it's all, yeah, what do you think of this? <laughs> you know? Right, right. But at the same time, people would see that and laugh and be like, oh yeah, that's insane. This is so stupid. I, I guess my intention is to get people to think, not how to think or to think like me, but to create more space to look at all different perspectives. Right. Which is so important, man. That's so important, dude. People are like laser focused right now on this one way of believing, whether that's left or right 
or this cause or that cause and nothing else. Like people, I've heard both things. I've heard if you vote for Trump, you're a fucking idiot and I don't understand you. And I've heard, oh, if you vote for Biden, you're a fucking idiot and I don't understand you. And both of those statements are just as stupid to me. They're just as dumb. It's so important for people to think. So posting stuff like that and calling people out for their idiocracy or their ironies that they're participating in or showing is so important to. And the more we do, that's like the only way. It's like, I feel like we're all like sinking on a boat and those little moments are little like life rafts that we can climb back onto the boat with. You know what I mean? Like we need more of that. We need to keep people thinking so that people don't all just develop this one echo chamber way of thinking, no matter what side they're on, you know? I was watching this week on Fox News and they had Newt Greenwich, I think his name is, ex-Speaker of the House. I believe his title is, I could be wrong there. But the three journalists were having, or four, three of them plus Newt were having a four-way conversation. And he brought up somebody by the name of George Soros and basically was the most awkward live television moment you've ever seen because it was like (laughs) the one who cannot be named was named. (laughs) And I'm wondering, I mean, it was hilarious and startling at the same time. And it, it actually gave you a sense of, whoa, there's a journalist or journalists were like, this person is off limits. And I was thinking, oh, who can actually speak about this? Whoa. Who could, if a journalist can't even speak the name of this one person, that opens it up to the comedians. Yeah. And I still really haven't seen too many people talk about that. And, you know, maybe the challenge is set for you, but I don't don't want to see. I know. I'm already thinking of ideas. I I, I don't (laughs) want to see you go missing, brother, either. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.